All right, we're, we're doing a, a little two-week sermon series, and um, uh, last week we started it, and we're calling it Nacho Religion, um, <laughs> because, you know, uh, there is salvation, but it's Nacho Religion that's going to bring salvation. Um, we've been talking really about fear and about how fear impacts us and about how God gives us the power to overcome fear. Uh, I think in this season, a lot of us are facing a lot of fears again, or maybe for the first time. And so we want to lean on and draw from the power of God. Even if you're not saved today, if you're not a Christian, if you don't believe in God, if you're just kind of checking things out, we, we, we welcome you. We're glad that you're here. And we want, we want you to know a little bit about what Christians believe when it, when it regards fear and courage. And so the best way to do it is to consult um, Bishop, Bishop Nacho uh, himself. And so last week we talked about Nacho, and Nacho is, um, is a character, he's the main character of the movie, Nacho Libre. How many of you have seen Nacho Libre, by the way? I mean, like, okay, most, okay. And then everybody else, we're going to have an altar call afterward. You can come down, give your heart to Jesus, because it's a great movie. It's a great movie. You got to check it out. And yeah, I have a showing at our house this week. Sweet. Okay, let's do it. Um, yeah, right out there with the snakes. It'll be awesome. Um, <laughs> I'll be inside. You guys can be outside. Um, anyway, uh, this week we're going to focus on Nacho's, um, Nacho's assistant. Um, Ten points if you can guess his name. Does anyone remember the name of Nacho's assistant? Esqueleto. That's right. As some is nacho, nacho aficionado. Um, it's awesome that you know that. So that's great. Uh, so now we're going to show this little clip that kind of defines Esqueleto for us. Check it out. <laughs> Escaletto right there. Uh, what's, what, what's kind of funny is uh, last week I talked about Nacho and how, um, how Nacho uh, represents for us the fear that a lot of us have or timidity that we feel. Like Nacho, like he, he doesn't want to be himself 
because he's too afraid that if he's himself that he'll disappoint God, number one, and number two, he'll disappoint the brothers and uh, the ninos. And, uh, and, and, then, and then number three, he's afraid of failure. He's afraid they just can't do it. And so throughout the movie, he, 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 helps, you know, he, he realizes that he can conquer those fears. And we sort of use that as a loose demonstration of, of what God offers to us. And the scripture actually that we, that we showed for that, if we can put it up on the screen, was, um, let's see, it was Philippians, no, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so we talked about how the, how the, the spirit of love is really um, the, the thing that conquers our fear or, or our unhealthy fear of God. We're afraid that God's going to crush us, but when we understand the spirit of God's love and we're able to approach him uh, freely. So the spirit of love helps us in that uh, manner, and the spirit of, of power helps us deal with the fear of what other people think of us, the fear of man or the fear of other people's opinions, and that gives us a spirit of power that Christ wants us to have. And finally, a sound mind. That's a disciplined mind. This helps us focus on the, the promises of God, and this helps us not fear failure. Uh, because so often we fear failure because we're always asking all the what ifs. And whenever we, whenever we discipline our mind to focus on the promises of God, we're able to walk with love and power and a disciplined mind. And that's, that, 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 that's Nacho. That's his version of fear. And then I was thinking about what's the opposite of Nacho, right? Like, like who, who's the character that's the opposite of Nacho in Nacho Libre? At first, I thought maybe Ramses because he seems like, like the nemesis. You know, he's the, the bad guy. But then I realized that actually the opposite of Nacho is his friend, Esqueleto. Um, Esqueleto is not uh, worried about what other people think of him, right? Obviously, he's jumping in, eating chips off the ground, you know. He's just, like, he's just making his own way. He's, he's, he's making his own way in life. He's doing his own thing. And he's not interested in pleasing other people, in thinking about other people, He's Escaletto. He's just he's doing his own thing, and 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 Nacho like sees him, and he realizes that he's actually the opposite of of of, of himself, and so he wants Escaletto to be on his team. And so here we see the first really fear that Escaletto has he is a fear of community or a fear of connection. He doesn't want to fight with anybody. Obviously, he doesn't mind, you know, fighting, but he he doesn't want to join Nacho. He doesn't want to get on a team. And so um, before I really start preaching, I need to just let you know that, that, that for several of you, 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 you fall into this category. You are self-made, you are determined, you're independent, and you don't need anyone. And I'm not here to argue with you at all, because you are always right. You are completely right. You're brilliant. You're, it's like, it's, you're, you're amazing. But... I would love to just interject this thought that maybe, just maybe, uh, God has a community for you to join, and that community could actually help you and not hurt you. The community of faith, the community of God, the, the body of Christ, or the people of God, we are here not to judge, not to point fingers, not to tell people that they're wrong. We are here to walk alongside people and support them to help them, to help build them up. And so um, the way that we do that, obviously on a Sunday morning, it's great. You know, you all come in and we, we high five and, and handshake and hug and, and all, all that kind of thing. And it's really good to, to, to see you, to meet up with you. But, but real life change, the way that we can really walk with you is through what we call small groups. So we're launching small groups next week. 
So this is my little small group plug right here before I really preach. Um, we got a lot of great small groups coming up. In fact, I have a picture of, uh, of the mascot of one of our small groups that, uh, that was sent to me. And um, you may have seen this little guy wandering around here. Um, that's the energizer. That's the biggest energizer bunny I've ever seen. Um, uh, Cheryl and Jim are leading a group they're calling the Energizers. This is for young people who are over the age of 50, who are still young and energetic. If you've met, if you've met Cheryl and Jim, you know they'll run circles around us 35-year-olds. Like, they're, they're energizers. So, uh, so, so, they're, so they're having a special group. They're walking through a book. And so if you would like to join their group, they're probably going to be talking to you this week. But next week, we're going to have like a, like, like sort of a lineup of all the groups. I'm, I'm going to go through in the message. I'm going to talk about each and every group. And I would love for everybody in this room who calls themselves members of City Chapel to join a small group. Because in my life, I've seen the power of small groups. In my life, I've seen the power. It's, it's, it's great to come and hear a message or a sermon from the Word of God, but it's a totally different thing. When you have somebody who knows you and who knows what you're going through, and when they look you in the eye and they say, you're going to make it, that's different. That's the power of community. And it's not fake. It's not like, you're going to make it, brother. But they really know you, and they're committed to helping you make it. That's the thing about, about a small group. You become a family. You become, uh, you become knit together. A perfect example is a family in our church recently. They, uh, they, they, they take on um, foster kids frequently, and they've actually adopted a couple. And um, the, there, was a, there was a glitch with the foster agency to where they took on um, all these kids who they, the, the agency wasn't able to give them any money to feed them or to clothe them or anything like that. And so some folks in their little circle of small group connections got together and donated some HEB cards and gas cards and, and brought groceries to their house and just showed up and filled their fridge, filled their, their cupboards, and just loved on them. And that's, what, that's the power of community, the Christian community. It's there to help you. It's not there to, to, to hurt you. But Escaleto fears community because he's so fiercely independent. He doesn't need anybody, and he certainly doesn't need Nacho, and so he fears community. The scripture that I would like to read uh, uh, regarding um, this type of fear is found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything. Last week, we talked about the spirit of fear. This week, we're talking about do not be anxious. Anxious uh, is, 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 is anxiety. Do not have anxiety about anything. You say, well, how in the world is that possible? How can, I, how can I not have anxiety about anything? That doesn't seem realistic. Well, here it is. This is how you do it. In everything, first of all, you pray about it. <laughs> Last month, we've been talking a lot about prayer. Your anxiety level would go way down if you would just pray about everything. If you would take everything that you're going through and talk to God about it. But it's not good enough just to pray. This, this is the secret ingredient right here, supplication and thanksgiving. Man, if you would add thankfulness to your life, your anxiety level would go way down. So often we're anxious about things that we don't have because we don't spend enough time being thankful about stuff that we do have. And this is not just this is not just you, it's not just me. This is this is every this is what we do as humans. This is what we're prone 
to do. We're prone to look at our life and see the things that we don't have and wonder how we could get those things. My, my six-year-old daughter is the same way. We've been talking to her this week. My, my wife's been talking to, to little Madden this week because Madden has a great attitude. She's, a, she's an amazing girl. She's an amazing kid. And in fact, she, she's probably the biggest fan of City Chapel, like of any of you all. Like she just loves, like her favorite day is number one, Family Fun Day, which is our Friday. It's our day off where we go do something crazy and fun with the family. And then Sunday, that, those are her two favorite days because she just loves coming to church. Um, and so anyway, but she's been dealing with this, this little thing called, uh, you know, anxiety. And she deals in a really nice way. She just says, I wish this. I, I wish my kite flew higher. I wish Graham could stay longer. I wish this. I wish that. I wish. She just, she's just expressing her wishes. And so um, Ro is taking that opportunity to say, honey, you know, it's good that you're sharing that with me. We don't want you to stop, you know, talking to us. We want to talk with you. We want to hear what's on your heart. But, 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 but that is a symptom of something bad inside your heart. The fact that every situation you always want something different, that's not going to make you happy in life. <laughs> That's not going to make you fulfilled in life. You're going to go through life constantly looking at what you don't have and how things could be better. And, and it's great to dream and to wish and all that kind of thing. But at some point, you just have to be grateful, thankful for what you do have. So when you wake up in the morning, just thank God that you woke up in the morning. When you drive to work, thank God that, A, you have a job, B, you have a car, C, you have gas to drive in the car, and, and D, you're healthy enough to actually get out of bed and and, and do stuff like, like there's, we have so much to be thankful for um, that, that oftentimes we, we neglect that because we rush right to the prayers. But prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, this is how we are to let our requests be made known to God. And verse 7, this is really the key, the peace of God. When you do that, when you, when you pray and when you, when you give it to the Lord and when you're thankful, then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And this is, this is kind of cool because Paul is writing this. Paul was a missionary uh, to, 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 to several places in the first century church, and he was building church, the, the, the church. He was planting churches, kind of like we're doing. And, 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 and there came a time in which Paul got put in jail for what he was doing. And he's sitting in jail as he's writing this letter. Now, in jail, Paul didn't sit around and say, God, you know, I, I just really want you to get me out. Instead, he used that time to write letters to these churches. And now those letters are much of what we call the New Testament Scripture. And so he writes this letter, and he's, he's trying to describe the peace of God will do something. The peace of God will strengthen you. No, that's not quite right. The peace of God will, will help you. Well, that's not uh, the peace of God. And then he, then he looks around his cell, and there at the door of his cell is this big, big, burly guard, <laughs> this Roman guard. And they change every few hours. And they're always there. And they're always making sure he stays in and everybody else stays out. And he says, yeah, that's what the peace of God does. The peace of God is not this soft, gentle dove that floats down onto your shoulders and just kind of sits there. The peace of God is a bouncer <laughs> at the door of your heart and your mind. He's strong. The peace of God is strong. It's a strong presence that, that guards. And, and, it, and, and by the way, the guard doesn't ever sleep. So he guards your mind even when you're sleeping. He guards your dreams. He guards, he, guards, he, he guards your emotions, which is your heart, and he guards your mind, which are your thoughts. He stands there, and, 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 and any 
thought of doubt that tries to come in, the peace of God will say, oh, no, you can't get in here. And any kind of fear that tries to get in, no, no, we, we can't entertain that thought. We're not going to deal with that thought because that's not peace. So the peace of God only lets peaceful thoughts come in. Anything that's true, anything that's just, anything that's right, those thoughts are allowed in. But everything from the enemy is blocked at the door of your heart and your mind. It's stopped there by the big burly guard, the peace of God. And that's what we need. We need to embrace the people of God, but also the peace of God. We need to embrace the people of God and the peace of God. That requires you saying, well, I don't know that I can guard this myself. Because oftentimes, Escaletto, I think, is the type of guy, he's going to try to guard it himself. And he's going to stand there at the door of his heart, and he's going to be like, ah, you can come in. No, you can't come. No, and, and he's trying to carry it on his own. Because he's independent, because he's strong. He doesn't need Nacho, and he doesn't need God. He's going to do it on his own. But the, the power that, that, that Christianity offers, the power that God offers, can only come when you put your faith in God. And you say, God, I can't handle this. I need the peace of God in my life. Not just like as a little, little soft dove, but as a strong guard at the door of my heart. And I, I, I step back and I let the peace of God stand here in this place and guard my heart and my mind uh, in Christ Jesus. And that's what he does. He, 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 allows the, he allows a connection with Nacho. Escaletto finally, like he gives in, I think it's the 200 pesos, but whatever. Um, he allows Nacho into his, 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 his life and he, he trusts in Nacho. And then there comes a point at which it sort of all comes to a head. And um, uh, we see a little bit more uh, inside of Escaleto's heart. And so I'd like you to see this clip real quick. Um, check it out. The orphans, they need me. And I have forsaken them. I got no groceries for breakfast because of you. I'm sick of hearing about your stupid orphans. What did you just say? I hate orphans. Say it again to my face. I hate them. Come again? I hate all the orphans in the whole world. I'm not listening to you. You only believe in science. That's probably why we never win. We never win because you are fat. <laughs> Yes, we see this independence, and it manifests itself kind of hilariously um, in his inability or, or lack of desire to love the orphans. He hates all the orphans in the whole world. You know, he, he doesn't like them because they are a drain on him. They're a drain on his life. They're, they're redirecting. They're, 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 they're pulling him down. And this is one of the, the great problems with this, this over-independence, is that we, 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 we are afraid to love others because of what it will cost us. We're afraid to love others because they might drag us down. We're afraid to connect with others because, because we might lose because they are fat. Um, you know, we're afraid. <laughs> we're afraid to connect with others because of what it will cost us. We can't, we can't be bothered to love other people. We can't be bothered to reach out to other people. We can't be bothered to, to, to risk that because it'll mess up our perfect world that we have going on. And then finally, he's, he, you know, we, we come to the conclusion that he only believes in science. 
And um, actually, throughout the movie, he sort of starts believing in God, kind of. Like, he gets baptized, and um, it's awesome. <laughs> Those of you who haven't seen the movie, whatever. Um, he, gets, he gets baptized, and that's kind of, you know, why haven't you been baptized? I never got around to it, okay? And so he just, he, he finally sort of, kind of, you know, comes to a place where he accepts Nacho, and he wants to help the orphans, and he kind of believes in God a little bit, I think. I don't know. But ultimately, I think uh, Escaleto is a good picture for us of, of the strong, independent person who doesn't feel that they have fear, but they do have anxiety. Uh, and that's what Scripture says, be anxious for nothing. Because when, you don't, when, you, when you're unable to love other people, you become anxious because then it's all really on you. It's all really up to you. You have to be the one to defend your your, your, your life, you have to be the one to defend your family. You have to be the one to provide for your family. You have to be the one to, 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 to get up in the morning, to make it work. It's, it, it's on you, and that's a burden that you were never meant to carry. Even though God has, you know, given you so many great gifts and so many talents, and he's opened up doors for you, but still the ultimate pressure, the ultimate weight is meant to be on him. And there's another guy in Scripture who I think sort of looks like uh, Escaleto uh, a little bit. His name is Joshua. Joshua um, is, is the guy who took over from Moses. If you know the Old Testament, Moses led the people of Israel out of slavery, led them through the wilderness right up to the door of the promised land that God had promised them, and then Moses dies. And, 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 and the people of Israel don't exactly know what to do. The people of God, they, they don't really know what to do. But somehow God identifies their next leader, and it's this guy named Joshua. Joshua is not always the most timid guy. He's actually quite um, strong. He's quite bold. He was, one of the only, he was one of only two of the 12 spies that went in, 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 into the promised land and said, man, we can do it. We can take out all these giants. We got this. I mean, Joshua was a we-can-do-it sort of guy, you know? He was the kind of guy who, who, who he, he wasn't timid. He wasn't fearful. He was kind of like Escaleto. And now he crosses over into the promised land, and the first uh, uh, major battle that the people of Israel are facing is this battle known as the Battle of Jericho. Jericho is an ancient city. It's believed to be the oldest known city in the world. It, it was the oldest city, and the walls were magnificent. They were just um, powerful. Actually, I have a slide that kind of shows some of the dimensions of those walls. Before we get to the scripture, let's just read, let's just look at this little picture right here. Number one, the, the, they, they, they had a double, I think it's called a double uh, rotunda uh, system for the wall. And so they built the city like on the side of a mountain, really right in the mountain. And all along the side, they built this wall that was about 12 to 15 feet high as the retaining wall. And then there was a 26 feet high wall right there that was, it was, uh, it was six feet thick. So there, there's that wall. So when you're standing there looking. It's 46 feet just to the ground level of this city. And so you see sort of like how little the people, God's people would have been just coming up to that wall. This is a fortified city. There's only one gate in to Jericho. And it's this gate that goes into the side of the mountain and then straight up. You have to climb this little stairwell. So any kind of military attack against this facility is just not going to work. Um, you, 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 can't, you can't attack them. Uh, you can't even get near them. And so this, this is kind of the, the, the system that, that they were facing. And God said, I'm going to give Jericho to you guys. You guys are going to defeat Jericho. It's going to be awesome. And so, and so Joshua says, yeah, yeah, we can do it. And, 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 but Joshua's not incredibly confident because it's such a crazy task. 
And so in chapter 5, verse 13, it came to pass that Joshua was by Jericho. This is the night before God's going to really tell them how they're going to do this. Joshua says, okay, God wants us to take out Jericho. I'm going to go spy out Jericho. So Joshua goes, and he's looking at the walls. He's noticing that one gate. He sees how high the walls are, how thick they are, how there's actually a double system of walls. And he's, and I'm sure he's starting to feel the enormous anxiety of the moment. <laughs> I just told all those people we were going to conquer the city, and there's no way. This is not going to happen. And so he's, he's out there. It's dark. He's spying. He doesn't want to get caught. And he lifts his eyes, and he looks, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. Um, that, that's basically the modern day equivalent of like, you know, like the gun is out of the holster and he's just, he's shocked. He sees this guy in a military position with a sword and he knows he's in trouble. And so he says, um, are you for us or are you against us? And I, and I love how this supposed man, this is really, um, this is really God. This is the angel of the Lord. Um, some, some believe this is a, a, a Christophany, which is the, an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament where he just appears and he shows up. And he, so he says, are you for us or are, or are you against us? And that's really what anxiety, that's what anxious people want to know. Are you going to help me or are you going to hurt me? That's really, that, there's, there's no other people in the world. There's just people who are for you and then there are people who are against you. There's no orphans that we love that we can help. You know, there's none of that. It's just people for us and people against us. And that's what Joshua says. Are you for us or are you against us? And the guy says, no. Nice answer. I love God. Sometimes he doesn't even bother with our dumb questions. He just says, no. But as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Now, that word now is interesting because, because Jesus, of course, is, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he, he's, he's been uh, in, in, in eternity times past, and he's, he's in an eternity in the future. But in this moment, he's saying, I have now, like I've stepped into time and space to talk to you. Like I'm from outside of time and space. I'm from eternity. I'm from uh, something much bigger than you can imagine. But I have stepped into your moment. I've stepped into your anxious moment for a particular reason. And so Joshua fell on his face, on his face to the earth and he worshiped him. And he said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Jesus Christ. What's interesting is Joshua and the name Jesus is actually very similar to the name Joshua. It's kind of like Jesus is the second Joshua and Joshua is the first. Anyway, um, and so Joshua falls on his face before the other Joshua and says, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot. Well, it's singular, one foot. For the place where you stand is holy and Joshua did so. Now, for those of us in 21st century America, reading that, that's really strange. Like, all you need to do, take a sandal off your foot. <laughs> okay, right, gotcha. Okay, well, I was just going to pop my shoe off here, and uh, how's that, Lord? My, how's, you know? So that's, that's really what he says. He just says, take your, take, your, take your shoe off. Take one shoe off. And, uh, you know, and you can see socks and smell stinky feet and all that. It's great. It's fantastic. He, he takes one sandal off, and uh, to us, it doesn't mean anything, but to the ancient culture, this is what you would do when you, were, when you were showing deference or honor. When you were saying, you are greater than me, you would take one sandal off. 
And this is something that I believe really we have to come to a place to. All of us independent people, all of us strong people, all of us escalettos out there, we have to come to a place where we acknowledge that God is greater than us. And we, uh, the Bible word is submit, or we come under him, or we take one sandal off. And th this is what scripture actually says uh, in um, uh, James chapter 4, verse 6. It says that God gives, uh, he, he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's interesting because I don't generally think of God as resisting anybody. It seems, it seems kind of weird to me to think of God as resisting anyone. But, but Scripture says that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Hey, babe, do you want to come, come just help me for this quick illustration and just kind of come around this way? As I was thinking about this, I was thinking about um, wrestling with my kids, which my kids aren't around right now because they're in kids' church, so that would be better. But, um, but this way you get to meet my lovely wife, and that would be good for you. Okay, so you can, yeah, you can keep your sandals on. So, oh so God Thanks, resists, God resists the proud. And so uh, whenever, obviously God's arms are a lot longer than mine, but whenever you hold a resist like this, um, and even if she's trying to, to come at me, you can't, there you go, yeah, try to, just, don't, I mean, don't, you know, don't, don't try too hard, but <laughs> you can't really reach me. Yeah, see, you can't even reach me. At, because even though she's trying, because my, like, hand is, like, on her forehead, um, holding her back, you know, this works especially good with six-year-olds, by the way, um, <laughs> she can't really get at me, and she keeps swinging and trying, and you can, you can try to push hard. You can try to push, push really hard. Whoa. Yes, thanks. But I feel like that's what a lot of our Christian lives are like. Like we go to church and like that's us, you know, we're like we're like trying to get to God. And we 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 do religious stuff and that that's us. You know, we're just like we're just we're just trying to get to him. But the the way to get to God is not to be independent and to be strong. Like other people think think well of strength. Other people love people who are strong and independent, they'll follow them and woo. God's already very strong, very independent. God's already got it under control. What God loves is whenever we take our sandal off. And the thing is, when you take your sandal off, you have to walk a little bit differently. You can't just walk like you normally do. You have to, you have to, get, you have to get some help, kind of like, like this. You got to put your arm around God. And he takes a step, and then, you know, you can take a step, and then he takes a step, and he plays keys, and, and you... <laughs> You, uh, you have to lean on him. That's what, that's what the old timers used to say, that you lean on God. That's what they mean. They mean you, 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 you can't do it on your own, so you have, to, you, have to, you, you have to lean on him. You have to take your sandal off and, and lean on him. You'll never conquer Jericho with both sandals on. You'll never conquer the situations of your life, the, the, the walls of your life, the enemies of your life. You'll never do it with both shoes on. You'll never be able to do it. I wonder what if City Chapel could be a church of people with like one sandal. Like, like everybody just decided 
that, you know what, I can't handle this on my own. I can't be anxious all the time. It's not up to me. I can't control everything. I can't, I, I just, I, I got to take a shoe off. And I got to lean on Jesus. I, I, I need him next to me. I, 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 I don't just need, you know, him once a week or, or twice a week or just, no, I need, he's got to be next to me because I literally can't take the next step without him. What if we were like that? Like when Jesus said, when you pray, give us today our daily bread. How many of us really actually pray that in 21st century America? Because we got nice cars and nice homes. We don't need daily bread. We got pizza that we'll call up and order. Come on, somebody. And it'll just show up at the house. We don't need God. We don't think we do. We got both shoes on. We're doing just fine. I know we've never been able to conquer Jericho before, but I think if we go up there and throw some rocks at that wall, I think something will probably happen. We got got this great plan, and then they're going to distract them over there, and then they're going to pole vault us over, and you know it's going to be great. We keep trying all these strategies for life, and for our family, and for our kids, and for our happiness, and it's not working. At some point, you just got to meet the commander of the army of God. You got to meet Jesus Christ and take a sandal off and just say, I, I, I don't think my way's working. I don't think my plans, my schemes are working out too well. And that's when God gives grace. That's in the, the, the word grace is a Bible word that really means power to do something, power to do what God wants you to do. He gives grace. That, that he, he, he doesn't give grace to people who got both sandals on. He doesn't give grace to people that are strong and stable and steady, got it under control. Those aren't the people that get God's power. The people that get God's power are people who humble themselves, who take off a sandal and, 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 and say, I need you. I, I, I need you every hour. It's the old hymn. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee every hour. Oh, stay thou nearby. Temptations lose their power when thou art nigh. I need thee. Oh, I need thee every hour. I need thee. I can't do this without you. I need you. It's hard for us to be needy hard for us to but let me tell you something it's a lot better than being anxious you can be anxious or you can be needy those are your options because you try to hold everything on you try to carry it on your shoulders it will be too heavy for you Jericho has has stood for thousands of years nobody was taking those walls down they built homes on the other side of the walls. That's how certain they were. They're like, hey, why, why build a, a fourth wall? We got this wall right here, you know? We'll just build a home right there. Like, 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 they were so certain. And they had every right to be. Jericho had every right to be certain. Nobody was taking that wall down. Nobody with both sandals on anyway. <laughs> but when Joshua took off his sandal, the next day, God said to the armies, he said, now I want you to go walk around walk around without a sandal. Go walk for seven days with only one sandal leaning on me. Just, just, just walk around your problem for seven days leaning on me. You're not fixing it. You're not dealing with it. You're not touching it. You just walk. You just walk. Just lean on me and walk. 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 And this is what he does. And, 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 and I don't have time to get into it all, but astronomers say that Mars came into a, 
a very close um, uh, encounter with earth uh, on the particular day that it is, it is believed that, that, that the walls fell down. So that there was this huge earthquake because of the, the polarity and a bunch of stuff I really am not smart enough to know about. And the walls fell down. And, and, and I think it was back in the 1950s, they uncovered the original site of, the, of, the, of, 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 of the, the ancient Jericho. And what they found was the way the walls fell down was just as interesting as the fact that the walls fell down. Obviously, earthquakes happen and things like that happen. But the way the walls fell down was very strange. And, 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 and in the Old Testament, if you read the story, it actually says that the people of Israel ran straight up. Ran straight up. Now that's weird when you look at that wall. Can we bring up? Can we bring up the old wall again? And and you just see the way that it is uh, with the, the the 46 foot tall uh, ground there. Even if the walls fall, even if they they collapse, you're not necessarily going to be able to get straight up, and you're still going to be at a disadvantage to your enemies. But what they found is that the walls fell this way, like the walls fell outward. So what's interesting to me is that even if the walls would have fallen inward or down. The people of Israel couldn't have climbed that, that 12 to 15 foot retainer wall. But instead the walls fell this way so that you had a, a, a 26 foot, uh, basically it was a 13 foot top wall that fell in front of a 12 foot retainer wall. And I'm not good at math, but if you got 12 and then 13, that's basically sort of like a, a ramp. That's what the power, that's what the grace of God will do. It'll turn your walls into ramps. It, 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 the, the very thing that was keeping them out was the very thing they were able to walk up on to get into the city. Like, like I don't know, but that's just kind of funny to me. That the people of Jericho, whoever built that thing, they're like, yeah, 12 feet. Oh, let's go 13 foot. And God's like, yeah, yeah, how about you do that? 13 foot would be great. That'd be perfect. That'll just, you know, it's perfect. <laughs> Thousands of years before they even got there, the seeds of its own destruction were already in it, and, and only God knew which way to push it. <laughs> so you keep throwing rocks at stuff, and it's just, and even if, even if you did accomplish it, it would fall the wrong way. <laughs> You'd be standing out there, okay, now how do we get up there? But when God's power steps in the situation, when you walk around problems and life with one sandal, <laughs> And God's just like, ah, here's a little ramp for you. Just go ahead and get up there and go get them, tiger. <laughs> he pre prepares the way. It's completely. And it all starts, honestly, this walk with God. I don't know where you are in, in your relationship with God. You might, you might have been walking with him for a long time, and you just kept both your shoes on. You don't, haven't figured out why it's not working. You can figure it out right now. Even if you've never even believed in God before, you can make that first step right now. You can just start off by taking off a sandal and saying, God, I need you. And I've tried this long enough on my own. I just can't do it. So we're going to take two minutes right now and just invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Let's just be still for just a moment. I, I, I want to invite every single person that God is just speaking to you right now. He's, he's inviting you into this relationship. He's, he's, it's kind of like the captain of the army of the Lord just standing there saying, take your sandal off. Stop trying to do this on your own. And, and I, I can't speak this to your heart, but if you feel like God's speaking that to your heart, I want you to raise your hand and just tell me that you're going to pray with me here.